Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. How was your long, long break? Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'ad fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Rabbishrah li sadri wa yassir li amri. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani. Wasul sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbal alameen. So inshallah today we will begin the next chapter which is Kitabul Amal Fis-Salah. Kitab, the book of Al-Amal, action or movement Fis-Salah during prayer. Right? So there is another chapter in Sahih Bukhari which I have taught earlier which tells you about the required actions of Salah meaning the method of Salah. This however is talking about the movements in Salah those movements which are not actually part of salah. So for example, when you stand for salah, you raise your hands up to say Allahu Akbar, alright? And then you put your hands on your chest, alright? This movement is movement that is required in salah. Correct? This chapter is going to talk about movements that are not part of salah. Like for example, you're standing in prayer, alright, in a congregation, and then the person standing next to you moves to the right. Now all of a sudden there is a gap between you and them. So technically you're not supposed to move right or left during salah, isn't it? So here, are you allowed to move to your right or not? Do you understand? Likewise, you are praying salah and your hand is extremely itchy. Alright? To the point that if you don't scratch that itch, you won't be able to focus anymore. So can you relieve yourself very quickly, scratch your hand a little bit so that you can concentrate in your prayer? Is this amal correct or not? Likewise, a person is praying and their hijab slips off or their pin opens up, right? Or their watch is stuck in their abaya somehow and so, you know, things like that happen. Or you're praying and your baby is crying, can you pick up that baby? These movements are technically not part of salah, right? So here in this chapter, we will look at different ahadith that Imam Bukhari has recorded under different chapter headings to tell us which kind of movements are permissible and which kind of movements are not permissible. And all of this is going to come from hadith. Now before we begin uh, the ahadith, remember that there are five types of movements in prayer. And now again, we're talking about not the actions of salah, Alright, that's a completely different topic. We're talking about other movements. So, there are five types of movements in prayer. Firstly, the first type of movement is that which is wajib. What does wajib mean? Obligatory. Meaning, that movement on which the correctness of salah depends. Meaning, if you don't make that movement, then what will happen? Your salah will not be valid. So you must make that movement. Like for example, you go to your friend's place, you ask her which way is the qibla, she tells you the way towards the door. For instance, so you go into that room and you face the door, all right, without realizing that that was not the door, that was a closet door. For instance, all right. So now what happens, she walks into the room and she's like, you're not facing the right qibla. All right, turn towards your right or turn towards your left. Now, can you move your direction in prayer? 
Do you have to move? Is this movement necessary? It is a must. You must make this movement. It is wajib. It is obligatory. You understand? Likewise, you're praying salah and all of a sudden you realize that your sweater, all right, for example, has something very nasty on it. All right? Let's say you changed a baby's diaper and you didn't realize some of the stuff got onto your sweater. It may happen. Right? So, should you take your sweater off during prayer? You must do so. You understand? The Prophet ﷺ was once praying and in the middle of his prayer he removed his sandals. And when the people asked him, why did you do that? He said, Jibreel came and told me that there was filth on my sandals. So he removed his sandals. Alright? So, this is a movement that is wajib. It's a must. Because the validity of salah depends on this movement. The second type of movement is that which is forbidden. It is muharrama. Haraka muharrama. What is that movement? It is the movement which if you make it during your salah, it's going to break your salah. It's going to invalidate your salah. Now, what is this movement? It is, for example, continuous movements done for no reason. Okay? Such that if you were to look at a person who is making these movements constantly, you couldn't even tell if they were praying. Okay? Like for example, a person is supposed to be praying, but as they're praying, they're walking. For example, Alhamdulillah, people don't do that. But if a person were to do that, or for example, constantly they are, you know, bending to their right, to their left, to their right, like way too much. You understand? And this is not just a slight movement, it's continuous. So if you were to look at them, you might think that they're exercising. Alright? Or they're taking a stroll or something. Right? You couldn't tell if they were praying or not. So this kind of movement, which is continuous, it would invalidate the prayer. Or if it's a big movement. Alright? So small, continuous movements. Or a big movement. Okay? A big movement, like for example, a person is, you know, looking to their back, and then, you know, this is, this is not small. You understand? Turning their neck around completely, turning their body around completely, this is not okay. The third type of movement is that which is mustahab. Mustahab, what does mustahab mean? Meaning it's good if you do it. And some have even termed this movement as a sunnah. Okay? Why sunnah? Because you are making that movement in order to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And if you make that movement, you are perfecting your prayer. This kind of movement is a part of perfecting the prayer. It's part of the kamal of salah. So for example, for example, a person is praying salah, in jama'ah, the person standing on their right moves to the right. Now there is a gap between them and the individual on their right. So they move, they take a step towards their right in order to fill the gap. This kind of movement is mustahab. Or for example, all of a sudden you see a big gap in the row in front of you. So you move to the row that is in front of you in order to fill that gap. Because remember earlier I told you that a big movement... Without a reason, right? That kind of movement would invalidate the prayer. 
now this is a big movement. You are shifting from this row to that row. You're taking maybe two or three steps. Right? So this kind of movement is for the purpose of perfecting your prayer. So this is why it will not invalidate the prayer. In fact, you'll be rewarded for it. So this kind of movement is mustahab. It is preferred. Uh, it is a sunnah. We learned that once the Prophet ﷺ was praying, Ibn Abbas anhu was still a young boy. He came and he stood to the left side of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ moved him from his left to his right side. So this kind of movement is what? Mustahab. Because you are perfecting the prayer. If a person comes and stands next to the imam, he should not stand to the left side, he should stand to the right side of the imam. The fourth type of movement is that which is makruha. Okay? Makruha. What does makruha mean? It is disliked. Now, what kind of movement is this? It is a movement that is abas. Alright? This is how it's defined. You know the word abas? Afahasibtum annama khalaqnakum abathan. Abath is what? Useless. Without any reason. Okay? So a movement that is without any reason, it is useless. So for example, a person is without any reason fidgeting with their scarf. You know, one is that you have to adjust it because your hair is coming out or your hijab has become loose or your pin fell off. You know, so that's why you have to adjust your hijab. That is, that kind of movement would be recommended. It's good. Right? Um, But if a person is just styling it or like making sure that it looks perfect, Right? This would be abath. This would be makrub. Likewise, a person really likes their new bracelet, so they're constantly feeling it and, you know, constantly checking, is it still there? Is it still there? Right? Playing with their watch. For men, playing with their beard. I mean, we do learn in some ahadith that the Prophet ﷺ placed his hand on the beard during salah, but it wasn't continuous. And it wasn't like, okay, how long is it? How soft is it? Right? Some men do that. So this is abbas. You shouldn't be focusing on that during prayer. Or for example, if a person has a wallet or a pen or something in their pocket, then they're you know, playing with it. This is abbas. Okay? This would be makru. Or as they're praying, they are looking at all the designs, right? and they're stepping on one circle, and then they're stepping on the other one, and they're trying to make a pattern on the prayer mat with their toes. You know, shaitan distracts us. So this is all... Makru. The next one is, the fifth one is mubah. What does mubah mean? What does mubah mean? Does anybody know? Permissible. Meaning if you were to do it, you're not getting reward. Right? It's not really perfecting your prayer. And at the same time, you're not breaking your salah, you're not disturbing your salah. Okay? What does this mean? These are of two types. Okay, so the permissible ones are two types. Okay, firstly, small movement. Okay, small movement. And now we're talking about actions that would technically fall in the category of makru. I know it's a little technical, but uh, when I was listening to a lecture today, preparing for the class, I really benefited from this and I wanted to share it with you. So you might find it a bit technical, but inshallah, as we will go through the ahadith and refer back to this again and again, uh, you will benefit from, from this categorization. 
Alright? So the first type of mubah movements are those movements which would technically fall in the category of makruh. Okay? Technically, they fall in the category of makruh. Like for example, remember makruh? An action that is abath, useless. But remember that it's a small movement. Okay? The difference between makruh and muharram is that makruh is small, muharram is, muharram is big. Okay? Makruh is, it may be repeated in the sense that a person does it maybe three or four times. Alright? But muharram is continuous. Okay? So, we're talking about Back to mubah, the first category of mubah. We're talking about an action, that a movement that may be makruh, but you have to do it for a haja. What is haja? A need. Okay? Meaning there is a situation of haja in which you must make that movement. And so this is why it would be permissible for you to make that movement. Okay? For example, the Prophet ﷺ was once praying and his granddaughter was with him. So every time that he got up from sajda, he would pick her up. And when he would go down into prostration, he would put her down. Okay. Now, technically, this is not related to salah, if you think about it. Picking up and putting down a child is not related to salah. Correct? That child was not necessarily dependent on him, you know, needing something from him. Alright? But he picked her up as he got up, put her down as he went down. Right? But it's a small movement. When you have to pick up a child, it doesn't take very long. Right? And he wasn't like picking her up during his qiyam. Right? As he was getting up, he would pick her up. So it didn't require a lot of extra movement. So it was a small movement. It was repeated. Right? But it was not continuous. That the whole time just picking up, putting down, picking up, putting down. Right? That's not what was happening. But picking up a child is kind of like there is a haja. Right? If the child has come to you, wants your love and attention. Right? And you as a grandparent even, you may have to pick up that child. Just to assure the child that you are not ignoring them. Right? So it is for a haja, it is for a need. So this is why this action would be permissible. You understand? Now, I'll go over it again, the definition again. It's a small movement, alright, that is done for a reason. It's a small movement that is done for a reason. So even though it may be from the category of makruh, but from makruh, it became permissible. Why? What came in the middle? Need. You understand? There is a need here. Going back to makruh, do you really need to play with your nose in salah? No. Do you really need to fidget with your watch in salah? No. It's not a need. Right? But do you need to pick up the child who is looking up at you? Right? Lifting up their arms? You need to, right? Do you need to put her down so that you don't, you know, hurt her? Yes, you do need to, 
right? So this is why, even though this action may have previously been makruh, but because of the hajjah, it became, it became mubah. All right. Another example we learn from the sunnah, there's a hadith reported in An-Nasai. It's an authentic hadith in which we learned that the Prophet ﷺ was once praying. And during his prayer, he opened the door. All right? For Aisha anha. During his prayer, he did that. So this is a hajjah. Okay? Like for example, you are praying and uh, a child is running and he's going to crash into, let's say, a jug of water. Right? Or hot coffee or something. So what do you do? You move that coffee. Right? Or you grab that child. You understand? So just like that, the Prophet ﷺ opened the door during his salah. Alright. The second category of mubah movements during prayer are those movements which are big or continuous. Okay? So now, which movements are they technically? Big or continuous? Technically, they fall in the category of Muharram, exactly. But you have to do it because of darura, because of necessity. You understand? You have to do this big or continuous action because of necessity. So previously this was Muharram, forbidden. Now there is darura, necessity. So as a result, the movement became permissible, mubah. For example, are we allowed to walk during salah? Are we? No. Are we allowed to turn back during salah? No. But in a situation of fear, in a situation of fear, where an enemy may be chasing you, right? like we learn in the Qur'an, or wild animal may be chasing you, let's say you happen to be somewhere in the wild, right? somewhere outdoors, and you're like, okay, let's pray salah. And as you start, you think that you can see a bear. For example, you have to defend your life, right? But you're like, I have just a little bit of salah left. Can I just complete my salah? Right? So then, can you run as you complete your salah? Yes. Can you climb up a tree as you complete your salah? Yes. You can do that. This is the fear prayer, right? So even though this is a big movement... And it may have been continuous because you ran a mile, for instance, you ran down the hill. Alright? So, would it break the prayer? Would it break the prayer? No, it wouldn't. So from Muharram, this became, this became Mubah, permissible. Clear? Five types of movements. I'm gonna go over them very quickly. Wajiba, obligatory. What you must do because the validity of your prayer depends on it. Secondly, muharram, forbidden, big or continuous action, which if you were to do it during prayer, it would invalidate your prayer. Alright? Third is mustahab or sunnah, meaning the perfection of your salah is with it, so it's good for you to do it. Fourth is makruh, a movement that is useless. But it is small and it may have been repeated. There is a difference between repeated and continuous. Repeated is just a couple times. Continuous is on and on. And the fifth one is mubah, permissible. The first case is where an action would technically fall in the category of makruh, but because of some 
need, it became permissible. The second type is that an action may fall in the category of muharram, but because of some necessity, it became permissible. Alright? So now the entire chapter is going to deal with these types of movements. So inshallah we will look at them. Let's begin with the first bab. First bab, bab, isti'anati al-yadi fi salati idha kana min amri salah Isti'ana means to seek help. Now this isti'ana is not referring to iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. Alright, this is not isti'ana as in of worship. This is isti'ana as in making use of, benefiting from. So isti'anati al-yadi, using the hand, Fis-salah, during the prayer, meaning making use of the hand, as in moving the hand. إِذَا كَانَ مِنْ أَمْرِ salah, When it is of the matter of prayer. Meaning, when that movement is somehow connected to the prayer. Okay, that movement is somehow connected to the prayer. So, we're not talking about makruh. Alright, we're not talking about makruh here. We're talking about what? Mubah. A permissible movement. Why? Because this movement is related to the prayer. Alright? Or we're talking about mustahab. Alright? Okay, so what falls into this? The question here basically is that can a person use his hands to do something in prayer in order to perform the prayer correctly? You understand? It's related to the prayer. It's not an action that is outside of the prayer. And by outside I mean that you can leave it until you are you have completed your prayer. It is something that you must do or you would like to do. It would be convenient for you to do it during your prayer because it's somehow related to prayer. Like for example, you're praying and your hand is very itchy. Right? So can you use your other hand to scratch? Or you're praying and there's a big bug sitting on your arm. Hmm? And it's distracting you. So can you move your hand to shoo away that bug or to throw it away? Can you do that? Right? This is the question. Can you use your hand to make a movement that is connected to the prayer, but it is not an action of prayer? Okay? Alright. وَقَالَ ibn عَبَّاسٍ And Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما, he said, that يَسْتَعِينُ الرَّجُلُ فِي صَلَاتِهِ يَسْتَعِينُ الرَّجُلُ A man, a person may make use of فِي صَلَاتِهِ during his prayer مِنْ جَسَدِهِ from his body بِمَا شَاءَ whatever that he wants. Meaning he can make use of any part of his body. He can move any part of his body during the prayer to do something that is somehow related to the prayer. Meaning, this is not just related to the hand, but this is a general principle. Okay? So for example, you're standing, and now your foot is itchy. Or there's a big bug sitting on your foot. For example. Or a child came and threw a toy right in front of you. Right? And that toy happens to have those big eyes. Right? So, or it's making music, something like that. 
right? So now, I mean, for you to bend down and scratch your foot with your hand, bend down while you're reciting Surah Al-Fatiha and move that toy, would be too much movement. Can you just use your foot, another foot, the, the other foot to scratch, right? Can you do that? Yes. Because Ibn Abbas said that you can use any part of your body. Now technically you could say, well, moving a toy is not really part of salah. But is it related to salah? Yes. You could say that scratching is not part of salah. Yes, but is it related to your current prayer? Is it? It is. So he said that, يَسْتَعِينَ الرَّجْلُ فِي صَلَاتِهِ مِنْ جَسَدِهِ بِمَا شَاءَ وَوَضَعَ أَبُوْ إِسْحَاقَ And Abu Ishaq wada'a, he put down qalansuwatahu. His qalansuwa. What is qalansuwa? Some kind of headgear. Like a hat or something. So he put down his qalansuwa fissalah during the prayer. Warafa'aha. And then he picked it up again. So during his prayer, he put it down. And then as he was getting up, he picked it up. He put it back on. So for example, if you are going into sujood and you have your glasses on, right? So just as you're going into the sajda, can you take your glasses off? Can you? Yes. And as you're getting up, can you put them back on? Can you? Yes. And what are you using over here? What are you using over here? Your hand. Right? Yes. Very good example. You are performing the night prayer and you are reading from the mushaf. Alright, you're holding the mushaf. And now as you go into rukur, you put the mushaf on the table that is next to you. Alright, can you do that? And then as you get up, you pick it up. Can you do that? Yes, you can. You're using your hand. So here he put his hat down and put it back on. So this must be for a good reason, which is why he did it. So this is permissible. وَوَضَعَ عَلِيٌّ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ كَفَّهُ And Ali رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ would put his kaf. What is kaf? His palm. عَلَى رُصْغِهِ الْأَيْسَرِ Upon his left wrist. Meaning during his qiyam, whenever he would pray, he would place his right palm on the left wrist. This is how he would stand. إِلَّا Except jildan, If he had to scratch some part of the skin, or he had to arrange his clothing. So what does this mean? That during Qiyam, the entire time, his right palm would be on his left wrist, always. The only time that he would move it from there during Qiyam would be if he had to scratch himself or he had to adjust part of his clothing. So what does this show from the action of the companion, Ali radiallahu anhu after all? What does it show? That you may scratch yourself and you may even adjust your clothing. Right? This is mubah, this is permissible. Because otherwise, are you allowed to do this during salah? Like move your fingers back and forth on your skin? Technically no, this would be a makruh action. But because of the need, it became... It became mubah, permissible. Likewise, for you to adjust your clothing during prayer would be technically makruh. But because of a need, 
it became permissible. In fact, in some situations, it would not just be permissible, it would be mustahab. It would be better for you to make this movement. How and when? Sometimes, you know how it is. It's so itchy that you cannot concentrate. Right? And then what happens is that people start reading the words of salah super fast. Right? Trying to rush through their prayer so that they can end it. So can you just scratch yourself there and just ease yourself and pray with sukoon? Yes, you can. It would be mustahab for you to scratch yourself there. Right? Likewise, in some situations, adjusting your clothing would actually be wajib. Okay? It would be wajib. Not just permissible, it would be obligatory. Like for example, we learned that at the, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the women were advised to take a few moments before getting up from sajda. Why? Because the men did not really have full clothing. They did not really have long clothing. Some men were so poor, they only owned one piece of cloth. One piece of cloth. In fact, there is a chapter in Bukhari, which I have taught earlier, which we learn about how they would wear that one piece of cloth in such a way that they could cover their aura, all right, the part of the body that must be covered for salah. But then, upon getting up from sajda, sometimes they would have to adjust it. Right? They would have to adjust it. So uh, when you are adjusting your clothing in prayer, in some situations it is actually wajib to do that. For instance, you're praying, right? And your pin just snaps off. Right? Your hijab pin breaks. Now what do you do? You're actually going to have to redo your hijab maybe. Right? You might have to hold it together, wrap it all around, tuck it in. Right? Now this is... Something that you must do. If you don't do it, your hijab's gonna fall off, right? And then that would be another problem. Okay? So remember that uh, such movements, sometimes they are permissible. Sometimes, depending on their necessity, they could be preferred, mustahab, and sometimes they may even be, they may even be wajib.